0: The IB Sports podcast feed is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Please be sure to subscribe to be notified of all new podcasts from the IB Network. We would also appreciate it if you were, uh, while you're there, to rate and review it. Finally, you can follow IB Sports on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We do have a premium membership uh, that allows you to uh, make posts without being approved by an admin. You can be commissioner for a day, receive free gambling picks, and a whole lot more. And with that, I am your host, Keith Fleming. with me, as always, is Joe Matz, and this is the weekly daily fantasy podcast. Uh, if you are not listening to this podcast on a regular basis, our picks are hot fire right now, Joe, and I can't guarantee that they're going to continue to be this good.
1: <laughs> no, we will be very lucky if this streak continues.
0: Uh, real quickly, because I want to highlight these, because it's it's just been incredible the last couple of weeks. Uh, this last week, we had uh, Kyler Murray at 7,300. I know we both were big on him. He had 29.8 points. Uh, he looked great. You had Kirk Cousins, correct? I did. Um, sadly, I didn't use him in any lineups. But... <laughs> I think he had like 27.2 points, and then I believe you had Fitzpatrick
1: too, right? Wasn't
0: he your low tier?
1: Yeah, I would sadly we can't ride the Fitzpatrick train anymore, but it was fun while I last. And he had over 20 points, so I mean, that was
0: three of our five quarterbacks we gave at running back. We pounded. Derek Henry. We gave a litany of reasons uh, at 7,300 why you should be playing him. He scored 43.4 <laughs> points. Uh, I cashed in two uh, entries that I had guys like Madison, where I literally had a guy that scored four points or less. And thanks <laughs> to him and Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, still ended up on the good side um miles gaskin actually at 5400 did pretty well as well he had 16.6 points but it was the running backs i mean excuse me the receivers where we just i mean it was an embarrassment of riches i told you julio jones at 6700 was a joke like it it was ridiculous to have him at that value he scored 36.7 points uh i was high on travis fulgham That's my low-tier pick at 4,400. He ended up with 19.5 points. And then Joe's receivers. You had Christian Kirk. I think he was at like 4,200. He had 22.6 points. Galladay at 6,000 at 17.5. And Ridley, who, I mean, it kind of shows how good Ridley's been this year. He's sort of disappointed at (laughs) 7,800. And he scored 18.9 points, which is nothing to shake a stick at. Uh, Tight ends, which is... I've been just getting both lucky and, and been pretty good at this. Kelsey was a no-brainer. I told everybody how bad Buffalo had been against tight ends. He actually didn't have that many catches, but he had two touchdowns, ended up with 22.5 points. And then Trey Burton is up there with my Chase Edmonds pick. I told people at 3,100 I really liked him this week. He rewarded me with 21.9 points. Even I couldn't believe how good that pick worked out. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, uh, for you, I think had 11.7 points, which was not great, but for his value, it's not a bad play either. At <laughs> tight end. Uh, I felt so bad for you with the Texans. You picked the wrong tight end. You had Atkins and Fells, I think had like what, 20 something points.
1: Well, hopefully if anyone was paying attention to the Texans, I believe, uh, Eggins didn't play again. Cause oh, it was- so
0: it's a- Perfect. So, so, if so,
1: if anyone was like, "Oh, screw it, I'll take Fells," then they did very well. Sadly, I did not do that in any of my <laughs> leagues, but.
0: I was just glad that not only did I say Burton, I actually played him in a bunch. That was another oh, reason I was able was, to cash some of these things. I mean, it was crazy. Ed Kelsey is my flex, and him is my tight end. And that
1: that might be the, the call of the year so far the, of all of our picks, because that was just like a shot in the dark, I felt like. I was like, really? Yeah, Burton? a rushing and touchdown,
0: for God's right. sake. So, I mean, it was insane. That's how hot it we are amazing. right now. Uh, And then for the flex, James Robinson disappointed, to be honest. But Justin Jefferson, I talked about how bad my Falcons secondary is and how it actually had been the number two receiver who had kind of gone nuts on him. That continued. He scored 42.6 points. And then again, your flex plays were just phenomenal. Brandon Cooks had 21.8 points. I think he was 4,500. You talked about Deontay Johnson unless he had an injury tag, which he did. And if so, to go with Claypool, he pulled out 18.9 points. I was really upset because I think Mozart, your other pick, was going to have a good game. He already had like 70 yards in the first half, and then he got injured early in the third quarter. So obviously that disappointed. And then maybe my favorite play of the week was we gave some defenses. And then when I made the case for the Dolphins at 2,900, we both agreed that's the play. They scored 15 points. I believe only the Bucs, maybe the Ravens too, but they were either second or third in points at 2,900. I had them in every one of my lineups. The Jets are awful. Uh, I think that you should definitely go against them most weeks moving forward. Uh, So it was a great week, and I'm excited again this week because I I don't know about you, but I saw a lot of Mac. I actually had more problems narrowing it down to three picks this week because i feel like there's so many good matchups out there
1: yeah that was one of the interesting things is last week we had so many similar picks and i think that's because like the best guys just obviously you know you could miss if you just went like i went with feeling in like every league and that was one of our few misses but it seemed like you could really narrow it down to like these were going to be the this week, I think we have like one crossover pick because I re- and I liked most of your picks, so that means there's a lot of opportunity, especially like not that high priced of guys. In the exactly, lineup. the receivers
0: this week are kind of crazy. Uh, well, yeah. we're running back too, around the like six thousand, uh, you know, dollar level. But um, let's get right into it. I'm going to start with a quarterback. Uh, my high tier guys, Kyler Murray at seventy one hundred. He's facing the Seahawks. Murray scored at least 24 points in every game this season, which is kind of wild when I saw that. I mean, that's a ton of points. And he's played actually some pretty good defenses. He's coming off two straight games of 28 points or higher against two of the worst secondaries in the league. This week, he gets the dead last uh, defense against fantasy QBs in Seattle at home. Even better news is Seattle is you know, really good against the run. I still think they're like a top five or seven uh, run defense, at least for fantasy purposes, against running backs. So you don't have to worry too much about Kenyon Drake going ham again this week. But even if he does, Murray still scored 30 points last week. So I'm actually leaning to doing something I rarely ever do, which is putting a high price quarterback in all my lineups at 7,100 because it just needs to be a reminder that Cam Newton threw for just under 400 yards against the secondary. Fitzpatrick threw for 315. Kirk Cousins threw for 249 and two touchdowns, and that was with two running backs going over 100 yards. Seattle's secondary is bad. <laughs> this looks like a shootout. I love Kyler Murray this week. Who's your top-tier
1: guy? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that pick is great. Like you said, Murray just hasn't missed this year. And... His running has been <laughs> such a surprise
0: because yeah. he ran a little bit last year, but, I mean, I think he's averaging, like, almost 60 yards a game on the ground, which is crazy. That's like Lamar Jackson-type uh, numbers.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, we've seen him be a little off occasionally, like even this last week outside of that deep bomb to Kirk. He wasn't passing super well, but – if the it's run like game that that's <laughs> the beauty of the running quarterbacks is it's really hard for them to have a bad week. Um my guy for tier one is just below him. I I like Aaron Rodgers at seven thousand. Mm-hmm. I mean that was one of the worst games I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers play last week. And yeah, I I would not want to face him the week after. So outside of last week, he's averaged twenty seven and a half points. Per, per week. Devontae Adams is going to be in a second game back, so you assume he's even going to be healthier, ready to go. And the Houston defense is not the Tampa Bay defense. <laughs> I think we all no, know that. No, <laughs> that, that is definitely
0: the understatement
1: of the year. So Houston is 26th in fantasy allowed to opposing QBs on DraftKings. They are bottom 10 in completion percentage and yards per attempt for opposing QBs. They've given up 13 touchdowns to a single interception. And, again, Aaron Rodgers threw his first two interceptions last week. It's unlikely he throws another one. Really bad interceptions, dude. It was crazy. I've turned that game on a dime. That was insane. But so not surprisingly, after I listed all those Houston stats off, only the Atlanta Falcons have been worse based <laughs> on G rating. Come oh, Don't kick a man when he's down
0: there. <laughs> we did get a win,
1: though. I was going to say, well, you and me aren't two down after last week. <laughs> But uh, Bradley Roby's been okay for that Houston defense, but everyone else in that defensive backfield has been awful this season. So, I think Aaron Rodgers is primed for a big bounce back week.
0: I think the Packers are going to score a bunch of points. There's a lot of guys. I have, uh, I know of two more uh, Packers in my picks. The the Texans offense is bad. I mean, excuse me, defense is really bad. And they, they have a good enough offense where it's typically a shootout where the offense of the opposing team has to continue to try to score points because Watson and them are playing well the last few weeks. Uh, my middle-tier guy who really is, I think, the surprise of the season is Justin Herbert at 6,400. You did a wonderful job last week of talking, like, how bad the Jaguars <laughs> It's just across the board. Like, it, it really is yeah, amazing. They're bad. they're bad against quarterbacks, running backs, receivers – tight ends, like, it's all green. Like, every position is green. I don't know if I've ever seen a team do that. Uh, Herbert's coming off a bye, but you need to remember the week before he torched a decent Saints defense. Even more impressive the week before that, he threw for 290 and three uh, touchdowns against arguably the best defense in football on Tampa Bay. We just saw how much, you know, Aaron Rodgers struggled with them, and now he gets the Jaguars. I mean, this... Defense is awful. Uh, And what makes it even better is they're also equally bad against the run, but San Diego doesn't really have a healthy set of backs. Eckler is still on IR. Uh, Jackson is questionable. And because of that, Keenan Allen is leaning towards playing. He's questionable, but he practiced uh, practiced at a limited uh, uh, today. So, I think this is a slam dunk to where if you're not wanting to go at that top tier, I like him better than big Ben. I like him better than Stafford, even against my Falcons, which I also think is a very good pick. But Herbert has just, I mean, he's thrown at least three touchdowns and three straight games. And what's insane is how consistent he's been. Yeah. He scored right around 20 to 28 points each week uh the last four and he seems to be getting better each game, which is the other uh, you know, exciting part both for the Chargers franchise and if you're somebody like me and has them both in, you know, your daily fantasy lineups and I have them in a couple of yearly leagues.
1: Yeah, I, I was gonna add because he's also my mid tier guy is you know we're really high on him, especially against this Jaguars defense when we're not picking the quarterback playing the Atlanta Falcons. Exactly. (laughs) Because that's been our move. One of us has done that every week, and this week we're like, no, we actually like this more. So just to drive us home, the defenses he's faced so far, this is according to defensive DVOA against the pass, so football outsiders, their system. He's faced the number one, four, 13, and 15 pass defenses. So all average or better. And again, Tampa Bay, number one, who he torched. He's now facing the dead last pass defense. And outside of DVOA, here's some other numbers. They are 30th in pressure rate, 31st in yards per attempt allowed, tied for last in sacks, dead last in completion percentage allowed. This Jaguars defense is the worst defense in the league, especially against opposing passing offenses. And, again, Justin and Herbert, like you said, incredibly consistent, especially for a young guy who hasn't really used his legs that much, which he's capable of. He it's hasn't something needed something I've to. been waiting for. I really have
0: because, I mean, that was something at Oregon that, you know, yeah. I was really – because he's a big dude. So, I mean, he's yeah. like one of those, you know, quarterbacks. I don't want to call him like Tebow, but, you know, you don't exactly want him running at you if you're in the secondary because uh, he could truck you. Um, the – Low tier guy I'm going with, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not like super confident about this, but I like Joe Burrow versus Cleveland at 5,500. He had a terrible game against Baltimore last week. But with the exception of that, he has been extremely consistent this season. He scored around 23 points per game in his other five starts. His best start of the year was against this team, Cleveland, on the road earlier in the year. He scored 28.3 points. Joe Mixon is questionable for the game. Uh, If he plays, Mixon is, in my opinion, almost a must-start. He also had a good game against Cleveland, Uh, but if he doesn't, Gio Bernard is the backup feature back, and he is basically a running back who catches passes out of the field. I mean, that's pretty much what Gio Bernard does. So if you want to go a cheap route, I think Burrow is the best option, especially when you consider the other guys in that price range are Jimmy G, Cal Allen, and Drew Locke. And they're actually playing tougher defensive matchups, at least for rankings against... Uh, fantasy starting quarterbacks, uh, and not to mention, I just love Burroughs moxie. He is somebody who is—I guess you want to call a gamer, whatever you want to say. He's going to be pissed off about his last performance, mm-hmm. and I just see Burrow kind of lighten it up this week. Yeah, I, I actually like it was two his... weeks ago. I forgot they played yeah, it this two... week. I'm he sorry. looked
1: pretty good last week. He did against the Colts defense. That is very good. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, at that price range, I think you can definitely justify that risk because that was a game where I looked at it and I was like, I could pick the Cleveland defense here, but then I also feel like there's three Bengals that I like. Well, it'd be like the Colts last
0: week, right? Like where a lot of people thought that was a slam dunk and shit in the
1: first quarter. I mean, I think they had scored 14 points. So yeah, they were up like 21 to nothing, I think, in that game, which sadly... For they Bengals are the Bengals. Yeah. The <laughs> so um, my lower tier guy, a little bit higher up, is Gardner Minshew at 5,900. So Minshew, and, like, he's a guy who never really impresses you, but at least as far as fantasy goes, he just gets it done. Outside of the Miami game, which, again, Miami has been the team that just crushes anyone who's not good for <laughs> whatever reason, I don't I can't explain it, but hey, they're three and three. Go Miami. Yeah. But outside of that game, he scored at least twenty every single week. He's ninth in passing yards per game, and he is not facing Miami this week. Thank God for him. <laughs> it's that he's at the Chargers, who aren't an awful defense, but they've weirdly been bad against the pass this year. They are getting Melvin Ingram back, so that you know a little bit tougher there. But they're twenty eight against qbs this year they're 29th in yards allowed and they only have three interceptions the safety that they lost was just so big for oh, them uh, Derwin yes. James. yeah he's yep. phenomenal and so losing him really hurts that defense which is why you're seeing these numbers and it, that that receiving core is actually not bad now i mean chark we saw what he could do last year oh yeah little Ball's bit been banged good, out. I I was angry. I almost put Cole in the lineup last week on like a whim. I was like, ah, I feel like he could do something, and I didn't do it. And so, naturally, I did not win yep. yeah. And then you got Chenault, who's just a beast when he gets the ball. So, again, 20 points a game every week that he hasn't faced the Dolphins, and the Chargers have been giving up points. So I And, again, we'd like Herbert, so they're going to have to pass, we're assuming, because – They're the jaguars. They're going to be down every game. They're going
0: to be throwing. For sure, he's
1: going to be flinging it. So I like him as a value pick.
0: I love that. Uh, Moving on to running back, um, I'm going to go with Aaron Jones at 7,200. I was really close with going with Kamara here, um, which I think actually is your pick. It was just Jones is like 800 bucks cheaper, uh, and we banged a drum last week talking about how bad the Texans are against the run. We, we talked about how Dalvin Cook had 135 yards against them. Connor had 176. Hilaire had 130. The Ravens, not even including Lamar Jackson's rushing, had 175 yards. And then Derek Henry went out and had 250 all-purpose yards and two TDs. They now face Jones and a Green Bay team that, I mean, let's be honest, they were embarrassed last week. Uh, Not to mention Rodgers looked, you know, really bad. So I expect them to at least start the game running the ball a lot and try to open up the passing lanes for Rodgers. And the Lions are the only comparable run defense that Jones has faced (laughs) this uh, year in the sense that they also are terrible against the run. He had 18 carries for 168 yards and two touchdowns against them. Uh, I like Jones. It's my expensive tier back this week. But I believe Kamara is your pick, which I also love too, right?
1: Yeah, uh, we had almost the exact same thinking. We just ended up picking a different guy (laughs) because, yeah, we've we've seen – what happens when that defense faces a good running back and it is not good for Houston. The, my, my main worry is if Houston doesn't put up points and then Aaron Rodgers doesn't end up throwing it for my pick there. Right. Because it, it could just be Jones running for 180 and three touchdowns. Or even Williams,
0: who I actually thought about using for mm. one of my – you know, he's had a couple of really yeah. good games this week uh, year, especially either if they're getting beat bad, which that's not going to happen, but also in their blowout wins if you look at the Atlanta
1: game. So for Kamara, I, I can keep this one pretty short. So I've only got a few things to say. One, you know, you're always a little bit worried that Murray is going to vulture some touchdowns. But keep in mind, Kamara has 12 carries inside the 10 this year. That's fifth in the NFL. So he is getting those opportunities, even though Murray could always steal one and could be a good play, honestly, at whatever, he, whatever his value is, which I'm sure is low. The Panthers have – only three teams have given up more than the nine rushing touchdowns they've given up. So, again, if you're getting those carries anywhere near the end zone, there's a good chance you'll Because they've had in. a bye
0: too, right? So that means they've given up, I believe, nine and five games, right?
1: I think that's right. I mean, either
0: way, it's bad. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true. Yeah, even with then, six games,
0: it's still, you know, what, you know, almost a touchdown and a half, or it is a touchdown and, and a half. And
1: then the, the, the simple way to just drive this home is again, he's 7,900. So you're not getting like a saving money value here, but he's the number two scorer in fantasy football this year. The only guy above him is Russell Wilson, so a quarterback. I didn't and know that. He's number two in the. Uh, number, wow. number two in PPR. And. The Panthers are dead last in draft kings against running backs. So if you've got the best guy against the worst defense, don't think about it too hard.
0: And I completely agree. And that's why it's important to like look at our low-tier picks because if you put in two of those guys that are in that bottom tier, you can afford Kamara and still probably play like a Murray or Rogers if you want to especially with – we'll get into the receivers in a minute. The receivers are relatively cheap this week uh, after you get through, like, the top five guys, and I actually think some of the better options, uh, other than Hopkins, who cost a fortune, are, you know, below those guys. Um, My second guy, and I I hate to do this because it's probably the kiss of death, but it's Todd Gurley. He's at $6,000. You've done a really good job on recent podcasts talking about how bad Detroit's run defense is. Uh, They've given up eight touchdowns to opposing backs in five games, either on the ground or through the air. Uh, Gurley has lost a step. There is no doubt about that, but he still scores touchdowns. He has five touchdowns already this season. And again, I like to look at what did he do against comparable run defenses? Well, the Panthers would be the only team that is comparable, honestly, to Detroit. In that game, he had 120 yards and a touchdown. I think Gurley is a very safe bet to score a touchdown and have a good game against the 28th-ranked run run defense to fantasy running backs this season. And he might have a touchdown and only get you like 14 points, but he also has the ability like he did in that Carolina game where he had like 28.7 points. That won me a good bit of money, you know, having him in a couple of lineups. I like Gurley this week, and it it has, like, Raheem Morris is the kind of coach that he has said from stuff I've read that they're going to get back to giving the ball to their best players. And if you noticed last week, Gurley got his carries. He didn't do that much with them, but he got carries. And then obviously that was why Julio was the main focal point uh, on the offense. So I see a lot of Julio and a lot of Gurley this week.
1: Yeah, and it might be a fluke, but the last two weeks, he's had seven receptions. So if you're getting any receiving value out of Gurley, too, that's just a bonus. Absolutely. So I I believe you already mentioned it, but my mid-tier guy here is Joe Mixon. Now, again, key thing is we're not 100%. I believe he did not practice today, so it's not 100% that he will play. So obviously monitor that. And if, if he doesn't play, I mean, Todd Gurley is a great choice. He's a few hundred cheaper. But and I would look at Gio Bernard, honestly, if he doesn't yeah, play Yeah, if he well. doesn't play, Gio Bernard could definitely be a good play. Especially with
0: PPR. I mean, he could end up with 10, exactly. 11 receptions.
1: But the thing I love about Joe Mixon is, you know, I, I think I talk about this almost every week about someone. One of the big things is opportunity. Mm-hmm. Joe Mixon has 140 touches this year. So that is unsurprisingly first in the NFL. So even though the Browns are only giving up 94 yards on the ground this year, we know that if they're anywhere close, even if they're not in the game, he's gotten at least 19 touches every week. Because even though Gio's there, he's still involved in the pass game as well. And while the Browns have been generally pretty good against the run, they've been bottom 10 in short yard situations, which is why they've given up eight rushing touchdowns, which has them 23rd against running backs on DraftKings. So mixed in plays. He's going to get a lot of touches, and if he gets in a short yard situation, that's been the Browns' weakness. So, I like him to, I mean, I think you get a touchdown there if he plays. I love
0: that, and he's another one of those guys that, because of his pass-catching abilities, he can turn a stinker into where it doesn't kill you. You know what I mean? Like, he may not have a great game, but if he has five, six receptions, you're going to get at least 10 to 12 points, which... Thielen, we talked about, kind of killed us last week, but he still ended up with like 14 or 15 points. Right. And I actually won some money in one uh, entry with Thielen because that to me is what's really important these things is you can't have guys, unless you get lucky like I did last week and have, you know, two players score over 40 points, <laughs> right. uh, you know, get you like three, four points and have any chance of winning, whether it be a single entry or, a you know, a big pool. Um My last running back, and it's dangerous, and I know that, but you mentioned him, Latavius Murray, at 4,800. Carolina's bad. I mean, they're the worst (laughs) run defense in the league against fantasy running backs. Uh, In a similar matchup earlier this year, again, I keep going to that, they faced the Detroit Lions. In that game, he had 14 carries for 64 yards and two touchdowns. I expect them in this game that they're going to be – I believe running the ball a lot against Carolina because we've discussed Carolina is a pretty good defense. If you take out the run factor, so I could actually see a game where both Kamara and um, Murray have like good games for their value. Obviously Kamara is going to get a lot more points, a lot more touches, but we know Murray still is getting some, you know, red zone uh, carries like it's, not as good as it was the last few years where it was almost hard to understand why Kamara just never seemed to get the red zone carries. You know, he'd go all the way down the field, and they give it to Murray. Uh, I know it drove me crazy when I had him a couple of years ago in fantasy. But at 4,800, I think Murray could be a bargain back who could have, like, serious boom potential because, I mean, again, that's 64 yards and two touchdowns. You're talking about 18 points for a $4,800 running back. I mean, that would be huge, and he's actually been catching more passes this year uh, than I remember him in previous years, so I love, obviously, Kamara, but I also like Murray as a cheap-tier option because, again, the Panthers' run defense is really bad, and the Saints need to win this game. This is a big game in their division. Breeze has not been impressive. I know Thomas, if he doesn't punch anybody, is going to be back, but... I just, to me, if they want to win this game, they're going to pound the rock. And Peyton's a smart coach. I think that's what they're going to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, like it, like, like we, you've been beating the drum. I've been beating the drum. You're facing the Lions or the Panthers. F- find the running backs. And, yeah. And that the Texans, value, right? That's the
0: three teams. Yeah, it's just like the Falcons, the Cowboys, crazy. and the uh, Seahawks for pass. It's like if you see them – like and you have a good matchup with good running backs, receivers. It's almost stupid not to take them.
1: Yeah, so I'd I like that pick. Like <laughs> I did, forgot you even took him, and I mentioned that with Kamara. So I love that pick. The tier three guy I'm really looking at is Justin Jackson at 4900. So Austin Eckler still out. So you've got him and Josh Kelly are splitting the carries there. Last week he had more snaps than Kelly. He had 20 touches for 90. He's players. the better back.
0: Like he is. He's just the better back
1: in my and I opinion. Think, I tips. think that's especially true when like DraftKings are in PPR because yeah. he's the receiver back. And uh, again, facing the Jags, are the Jags worse against the pass than they are the run? Yes, but that's because they're the worst against the pass. Again, they're
0: bringing tight end <laughs> receivers, quarterbacks, running No backs. wrong play. No it.
1: wrong play. Right. They're giving up 144 rushing yards a game. That is 28. They have given up eight rushing touchdowns. And, again, like I said, he's the receiving back, and I, we expect a big game from Herbert just flinging it wherever he wants, I'm guessing, in this game. So I don't, I don't hate Josh Kelly, who I think is around the same value, but I would take Jackson at four. Especially because
0: Jackson does have that questionable tag. If something happens and then Kelly is their only yeah. back,
1: then oh my must-play must yep. in that
0: situation. I completely agree. Uh, you've almost completely talked me into Minshew, who I really wasn't considering now because they're probably going to be down. Uh, and I just, I love that. I mean, it was just like what I was talking about with Kirk Cousins last week. You gotta remember, he threw three picks in the first half. Right, I was like, my pick
1: was a disaster.
0: <laughs> and I mean. then he went nuts because they were down so much. And I mean, that is almost a dream and a, you know, daily or uh, yearly fantasy. And why I was, you know, obviously upset for Dak Prescott just in general, but the Cowboys kept getting down so much in every game that I knew Prescott was going to just throw it 50 times and, you know, end up with 60, 70 points. Um, moving on to the receivers. Last week, I was screaming from the mountaintops. That it is so disrespectful to have Julio Jones against a bad secondary at sixty have uh, sixty seven hundred dollars. It was criminal, and he rewarded me by scoring thirty six point seven points, and he looked healthy, which was the main thing. He yeah. looked like Julio. Uh, I love the play where Ryan faked like he was going to turn around and run, which what kind of idiot thinks Matt Ryan is going to (laughs) run? And then he logged one up to Julio, and Julio just, I mean, stiff-armed a linebacker like he was a cornerback. It was beautiful uh, and took it to the house. But he's 7,100 this week. That is still a bargain. You have guys like Michael Thomas, DK Metcalf, Amari Cooper, Will Fuller, all priced either right above him or right below him. And they have bad matchups. Like they they have matchups against good secondaries. The Detroit secondary is pretty freaking bad. Like they're bad against the run, but they're also <laughs> really bad against the pass. 24th. Uh I mentioned how Morris has said publicly they need to get Julio the ball more. I think he's going to get another big game this week uh, because Julio is so good in domes too. That's something that really people don't talk about as much. He's so much better indoors than he is out. And this is going to be the last week that you're going to get Julio at this price uh, because they're going to inch him back up. Like He's, I think, still like the ninth or tenth receiver. It's ridiculous. Julio is, in my opinion, still the best receiver in football in the sense that He can do everything. I mean, he's just—he can take a five-yard pass for a touchdown. He can run by you and catch a bomb for a touchdown if Ryan can throw it that far. Uh, And this is the last opportunity where you're going to get him at this cost. And again, against a bad secondary, I love Julio this week. It's my top tier.
1: So I almost went Julio, and then instead I went with Calvin Ridley for an extra two (laughs) hundred and seventy-three hundred. So to your point about that secondary. So, uh, PFF, I sadly didn't discover this earlier. They do a fantasy football wide receiver corner matchup chart every week. Do they really? Yeah. And so oh, we need to what, share
0: that in the group. That's great.
1: So, what it does is they, they have an advantage percentage, and it's based on the quality of the receiver versus the corner they expect to be the primary defender. So, this week, Julio Jones ranks fifth overall in his advantage. <laughs> Assuming he's up against uh, Amani Ururware, which I probably mangled that, but and then Julio's Cal- probably going to mangle him this weekend. So. <laughs> so he's fifth on their advantage chart. Calvin Ridley is second against Jeffrey Akuda, who is still struggling. I, I don't know what's going on with him. I guess you know probably it's part of that. He thought he was going
0: to be pretty good, right?
1: Yeah, but he looks I mean, lost, man. They run so much man. I'm kind of guessing he's just been kind of out on an island, and that's what's happening that's there. Fair. But he's 116th of 121 corners Ooh. on PFF's rankings. So, yeah, either of those is a great matchup. So the, the reasons I went with Ridley, and this, again, is in no way to say don't take Julio because he's 200 cheaper and he's Julio Jones. But Ridley this season... He has 884 air yards. That's if every pass, if he caught every pass thrown to him and got tackled immediately, he would be averaging 147 yards per game with no yak. That's insane. Especially because Ryan is not somebody who just pounds it down the field all the time. Right. So he's first in air yards. He has nine end zone targets, which is second in the league. So he's going to have opportunities deep. He's going to have opportunities in the red zone. Since he's entered the league, Julio and he have both played 35 games. Obviously, they've each missed some games that the other one played. But overall, same number of games, He scored six more touchdowns. Uh, Ridley is
0: uh, its the biggest complaint I have about Julio, who's I think the greatest Falcon I've ever seen play in my
1: lifetime, is
0: for whatever reason, he just doesn't score as many touchdowns as he should. It's
1: bizarre. I, I honestly have no explanation for it. But at this point, like, it's not like he's bad at scoring touchdowns. It's yeah, just but Ridley is like what you expect for a top-tier right.
0: receiver. You know, I mean, he just, especially with a good quarterback.
1: So, yeah, I think either of those plays, I like Ridley a little bit more. But, again, he's $200 more expensive. And like you said, Julio looked a lot healthier than he has for most of this season. So, I think you can, obviously, you only want to pick one at that price range. But pick either, and I think you're in a good spot.
0: And again, just to highlight what I said, Ridley had really a bad game for him this season, and he scored 18.9 points, which I don't think anybody would be upset with, because that's what you need. You need guys to score around that. You get five or six of them, you're in great shape, especially if you have one guy go nuts. We both had the same uh, second-tier guy, so I'll let you go ahead and take it. Who you got?
1: All right, so so Scary Terry McLaurin is the guy we're rolling with this week. (laughs) Now, again, he's facing the Dallas Cowboys, who we, we love to like go our against. Chops, man. <laughs> like l- last week, obviously Thielen didn't come through for us, but you also picked Justin Jefferson, who went off last week. So, again, again going back to that PFF advantage thing, they have him lined up against Daryl Worley, they have him seventh with the largest advantage. Uh, ESPN also does a cornerback matchup thing. They had him as one of the best matchups if he's against Diggs. So basically, what you're getting there is, regardless of which corner is covering Terry McLaurin, he's in an ad- and he's at the advantage. He's had at least four catches and sixty yards in all but one game. He's had seven targets every game. The only thing that's held him back this year is that that offense is bad. He's only scored one touchdown because. Of the- Just lack of opportunity. Mm
0: -hmm. I think it's bad luck, though, too, honestly, because he's very explosive. And I think there's some guys that, a couple of them this week, that I'm going to mention that, that they keep getting the targets they do because he is, uh, I wanted to write this down because it just was mind-blowing. He's averaging 10 targets a game. 16 fantasy points and then with the one touchdown I really think that's bad luck because if you're getting 10 targets and you have that kind of athletic ability and he scored a lot of touchdowns last year and it wasn't like they had a great quarterback for a majority of the season last year uh, I think that it's just bad luck and you're going to see him start scoring like in bunches before the season's over he is somebody in Yearly fantasy, I would be trying to buy high
1: on like trading wise. Yeah, and the thing with Dallas with this matchup is Dallas seems like they're almost matchup proof. Like if you're the other team, because <laughs> my my New York Giants, granted one of them was a defensive touchdown, we scored thirty one points on them, and I don't know if you watched Slayton the Giants went nuts. If you watched the Giants game this year, you know how hard it is for the my team to put up points. And yeah, Dallas's corners, their top three corners, none of them are in the top 80 on PFF. They've given up 14 passing touchdowns this year. And the good news, especially if you're a Washington fan, only one interception on the season. That's it. So for a team that struggles to move the ball, that's huge. If the other team's not going to force a turnover, that just improves the chances that he's going to score a touchdown this week and have that breakthrough. And just to remind – 5,800, that's not bad. Kirk
0: and Hopkins had four catches last week. They averaged Kirk 43 yards per (laughs) catch and two touchdowns and Hopkins 36.5. I I think Terry's going to have a big play. Like I really do. I can almost like guarantee he's going to have a 40, 50 yard touchdown uh, reception. And uh, I love him this week. My low-tier guy, and I went back and forth, but you were the one that turned me on to him last week. I thought it was one of your best plays. Christian Kirk, I mean, boy, taking the most out of a – he had three targets, turned (laughs) it into two catches for 80 yards and two touchdowns, 22.6 points. Again, he's facing a Seattle secondary that is really bad against the pass, but they're good against the run. Uh, He scored three touchdowns in the last three games, and he has the ability to have a crazy stat line line in a game that could turn into a shootout because the one thing, Kirk has been consistent. He's been a little inconsistent as a receiver overall, but he makes big plays. He is a true, like, Deshaun Jackson burner to where usually if he has over 70 yards – He's gonna have a touchdown. He's gonna have a big play. I didn't even realize this. I think Draftkings actually gives bonus points for a long touchdown receptions which I was I not aware right. of until this week. Uh, so again, I think that game's gonna be a shootout. and I just think they're realizing, you know Hopkins gets so much attention that Kirk is going to always have the opportunity to have one-on-one coverage. And with that speed, and Murray has been really accurate at times. I mean, again, two out of three of his targets were big plays last week. Uh, I I like Christian Kirk this week at 4,900. And I like a lot of players, honestly, in the Seattle-Arizona game. I think that's going to be just an all-out shootout. That's my low tier. Who is yours?
1: So just before I get to my low tier, just, yeah. just to really sell you on exactly how big a game Kirk could have, or if you want to go all the way, Hopkins, I think he's like 8,200. But the Seahawks have allowed 1,472 1, yards just to receivers this year. That's, that's in five games, too. In exactly five games. Had
0: wow.
1: That's more than 23 teams have given up total all passing oh yards God. with most of those teams playing six games <laughs> so that's how bad it is and again you we expect the seahawks to score points on the cardinals that's
0: why russell so, should be the mvp right like through six oh weeks God, that's the yeah.
1: absolutely <laughs> so yeah i think i either cardinals receiver is a great play this week the guy i'm going with Because he is healthy again, he practiced today fully. Deontay Johnson is at 4,200 now.
0: Another real quick before you get into this, another guy you should be looking to buy high with trades because people are going to be down on him, especially with Claypool, who is very good, and he's going to be a part of their offense the rest of the way. But this guy is their best receiver. Like, no offense to Schuster, no offense to Claypool. Johnson is really talented.
1: Now, I believe he's only played two complete games this year. But in those two games, he averaged 17 points. When healthy, he's led the team in target share. So he's actually been the leading receiver. And Claypool's emergence doesn't hurt as much as I think some people are probably guessing. Because Juju's the slot guy. So there's still two outside receiver spots. And this just makes it, with all three of those guys out there, you can't focus on It them. makes Pittsburgh really scary. Because oh, Connor
0: is starting to look like the guy from two mm-hmm. years ago and not the guy from last year, which I think it was just injuries. Yeah, he was just banged up.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and, and also he had no quarterback.
0: That's <laughs> true. That's very true. So, uh, that, Pittsburgh has a good defense. I think Pittsburgh oh, might be the best. We'll find out this week. They're this up there. Match up yeah. with Tennessee. Uh, who their
1: defense isn't very good. I think Pittsburgh's going
0: to score a gazillion points on them. I don't know if Tennessee can keep up.
1: But anyway, I'm oh, sorry. I didn't mean
0: to interrupt you. No, but... no,
1: no. I mean, all those points roll into what I'm saying here. The Titans' defense has not been great. There's a reason that they keep winning games by one possession. I think they crushed Buffalo, interestingly. But every other game has been three points or less, if you're counting last week, too, because that was by six, but it was in overtime.
0: Can so we talk about game- real quickly how stupid the decision was by Houston to go for two? Can you explain that to oh, me? Oh, no, I supposedly- liked it. I liked did. it. <laughs> See, I don't. I just don't understand because if you make it an eight-point game, they have to score the touchdown and get the two-point. And I just, I mean, I understand. I guess your offense is your best weapon, and it's a knockout blow. But I just think it's such a momentum shift if you don't get it. Uh, and then the team knows they just need a touchdown and it's going to overtime. And maybe that's why, you know, you're a smarter guy than I. I know that for a fact. So it, it makes sense that you would like it and I dislike it. And obviously it's easy for me to say that because it, it blew up in their face, but I didn't like it when they were doing it. Like, honestly, I'm going, what are you doing here? You know, make it an eight point game. But from what I've heard on a couple of podcasts this week, that is technically what most of the smartest people in football say is the right decision.
1: Yeah, just because if you get the two, you've won the game. We're up nine. So the game's over if you get it. And if you don't, you still have to – the other team still has to go all the way down and score a touchdown. And, I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of a momentum thing, but, I mean, your defense should be able to stop the other team from scoring a touchdown. (laughs) That's that's very fair. I actually – also, in the the Bills-Chiefs game, I remember – I can't remember the exact situation, but the Bills, when they drove down and scored a touchdown towards the end of the game, I was like, they should go for two here because if they if they get it, a Kansas City field goal then, they would have still been down seven then, I think, or eight. They would have been able to have a chance. And then if they missed it, they'd be able to go for two again and like make it up. I'm forgetting. I'm probably just throwing this whole podcast off. Nah. In general, be aggressive on going for two. <laughs> the analytics generally backs it up in a lot of situations. So I loved that choice. Obviously, like you said, did not work out for them. But I think part of the reason you go for two as well, though, is because th- that Tennessee offense is just so good. and that Houston- Well, Houston's defense is bad.
0: <laughs> That's the one thing I do understand is you're at least letting your best unit, yeah. you know, what do they you need, two yards, three yards,
1: whatever it is. Yeah. So. But Tennessee, to our point, good team, not a great defense, 28th against the wideouts this year. I do think they'll be able to at least keep pace with Pittsburgh most of the game, which means we should see Pittsburgh have to pass more. So that's good for Deontay. I think Claypool's a reasonable option this year. I think he's like 5,300, somewhere in there. But I mean, Deontay at 42, again, I think he's 1A or 1B. It's outrageous. I was
0: shocked when I saw it. I I pretty much knew you were going to take him because I knew how high (laughs) you are on him. And that, you know, I don't want us to double up, you know, too many picks. but I agree with you. It's it's crazy. It's, it's like what Julio was at 6,700. What you're getting for the value is insane.
1: Yeah, I think he's probably going to be in every single lineup that I do this week.
0: I, I, I think it's brilliant. And just
1: a reminder,
0: too, that Tennessee is going to have to throw the ball because Pittsburgh is good against the run, but they are very susceptible against the
1: pass. They've given up yardage for sure.
0: And so I, I do think that it needs to be said, especially if uh, Janu Smith is out this week, that Brown, uh,
1: I mean, even uh, what's the home for And I think Corey Davis is supposed to be back. Exactly. So that gives them a so, solid trio there. Mean, so you got three
0: there. options with the Titans that are all not crazy expensive, That especially if Janu Smith's out. If you think the Titans are going to be in that game and compete – uh, it would probably be a good idea to throw you know, one of their receivers in there, even, like I said, if it's their low-tier one and, uh Humphreys. So moving on to the tight end, um, I just realized, too, I actually listed these wrong because I have really three guys that are kind of all in the same tier. Uh, but my, my most expensive guy is Ryan Tonian, the and I've probably been butchering his last name for the <laughs> Packers. He's at 4,600. Again, uh, at Houston, I mean, they're another one of those defenses, Kelsey and Ebron both had over 50 yards and a t- touchdown versus the Texan defense. The Texans are 27th against the tight end for fantasy purposes. And before last week's stinker, and that was in my opinion, more about Rogers than it was Tanyan, He had scored yeah. a touchdown in three straight games. I think he has a really good chance to make it four out of his last five against a bad Texans defense because he does seem to be the their target in the red zone. I mean, obviously you got Devontae Adams, but we know that Rodgers, over his career, loves tight ends in the red zone. Uh, Tanyan seems to be a, a legit weapon for him. And at 4,600, I think it's a guy that's got a good chance to have that Ebron-Kelsey stat line where he has 50 yards and a touchdown. And, you know, now you're talking about, you know, if he has three, four catches, 15, 16 points, and you're on your way to a good lineup.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I took Rodgers as my top-tier QB. And if I was probably picking anyone he's thrown to this week, that's who it would be. I like that pick a lot. So, I, I did choose one higher-tiered guy this week for tight end, and that is, not too surprisingly, Travis Kelsey. You know, it's not a, an amazing matchup for him. Denver's 14th against the tight it end. It doesn't which, matter. He, he's which, matchup-proof, in e- my opinion. Exactly. Unless you've got a horrific matchup, which, you know, Kittle's got a tough one against the— the the Patriots who are fourth against tight ends and I think think he's also though pretty much,
0: you know what I mean? Like those guys have the athletic ability to where, I mean, it it was just like, did you see the second touchdown that Kelsey caught against the bills? A guy that size shouldn't be able to make that catch and get his feet in that easily. He made that catch easily.
1: He did. And to the matchup point, seventh, in the league, this is in tight ends, this is the entire league, seventh in reception – or top seven in receptions, touchdowns, and targets. He is 12th in receiving yards. He's a number one receiver, and he is the Chiefs' number one receiver. Mm-hmm. So, in the best offense, he's their number one target. So, it doesn't matter that Denver's okay against tight ends. And they're actually much better against pretty much every other position because Denver's been good this year. On Denver's
0: defense. been – yeah, their defense
1: has been sneaky good. So, Kelsey – is the guy I think this week, if you're picking any chief, he's the play. And it's 6,300. Again, that's what, like a mid-tier wide receiver. That's like 20 range.
0: So I'm looking at him at flex this week. Like you can get a cheap tight end. I'm about to give you two guys that are pretty inexpensive. And then you put Kelsey in at that tight end. I do also just to kind of, you know, further your point, it appears like because Kansas city has a better defense this year they are more committed to having longer drives. Uh, they have a running back, obviously, that's a lot more talented.
1: Uh, now they've I, got Bell too.
0: Yep, yeah, and which I think that if you don't think Andy Reid's going to have a way to use Le'Veon Bell, uh, you're crazy. Uh, especially with their great offensive coordinator. I hope is the next Falcons head coach next season. Um, that I just Kelsey, like I said, I think he's matchup proof. I think I don't care who you're putting him against, I would take Kelsey against any team. Uh, because I think Mahomes is going to make an effort to throw to him. He's so good in the red zone. I mean, I think he has a touchdown like basically every week. Uh, he, He's been fantastic. My second guy, and I love this play, is Hunter Henry at 4,500 uh, versus Jacksonville. Henry is averaging seven targets per game. He's coming off a bye, facing arguably the worst defense in the league. Uh, The Chargers are wounded at running back. Uh And I expect them to throw a lot. Um, The Jags have given up five touchdowns in their last five games to tight ends, but they haven't really faced any good tight ends. The only one that they did that would be, in my opinion, similar caliber is Janu Smith. He had 84 yards and two touchdowns against them. He's another guy, Henry is, that I feel like has been very unlucky that he only has one touchdown. And this matchup is a great opportunity for him to get a second or maybe even his third. I love Henry this week. Uh, I think he's a little bit better of a player than Hawkinson. And I, I shouldn't say better player, he's a more focal point of their offense with his targets. If you look at it, Hawkinson, I think, only got like three, four targets last week. He scored a touchdown against this defense. I almost am, you know, willing to guarantee Hunter Henry will score a touchdown this week. He's probably my favorite play at tight end at forty
1: five hundred. But you're you're talking me into him over my second guy, which is TJ Hawkinson (laughs) at five thousand. I think you're probably right because of the the money difference there. And again, Jags defense is awful. But the reasons I do like Hawkinson is he they're playing Falcons. Right. That's that's reason. Number one, you know, every week they're 28th in, uh on draft Kings against tight ends. So they've been awful covering the tight end. Hawkinson has seven end zone targets this year. So he's getting the chance to score. He has three touchdowns. Like you said, the, the targets and yardage have not always been there, but the targets in the red zone have been. So, I think you've a really good and shot. And they're going to the be touchdown. in the red zone against the Falcons. We it's, know at least
0: a few times.
1: <laughs> right. I, we expect this to be a shootout game. And I, the, the Lions are frustrating because I think this is a good team just with bad coaching. And like we saw, Swift got a little more play last week, which I mentioned as like a, on a is throw. Is he on your week. list? And I'm, I'm sorry. He's not. Mind.
0: He's a guy that I almost picked. I would take a real long look at him. I think they realized last week what they have in Swift. As a Georgia fan, he is super talented. Uh, catching balls out of the backfield, running. He's right. like explosive. Stoodle. He's physical. Like He is, I think, going to be the best back in this draft before it's all said and done. He oh, had a wow. really unfortunate first week that I think – they kind of wanted to nurse him along after that. You know, he dropped a game-winning touchdown. I mean, it oh, was a fun. I, I
1: forgot it, about that.
0: And he had that and then some injuries. And if you look, the last couple of weeks, they've started upping his, you know, his carries, his, his the passing the ball to him. I'm telling you, he is a super talented guy. He was Georgia's offense. Uh, you know, no offense to – <laughs> Our boy from, but I mean, he was what made that offense go. And I really was surprised that people weren't higher on him when he got drafted. I am so big on him. And I think with Stafford, uh, and then, you know, you got Galladay and those guys, he would be like, if they get him going, that offense becomes dangerous with Hawkinson. Uh, like for real, they have a really good, they'd have a really good receiver, a really good quarterback, a really good tight end, and a really good running back.
1: Yeah. And I, like with Swift last week, I think that was the beginning of them hopefully realizing that while Adrian Peterson is still solid, they have a much more dynamic back that they should be giving the ball to more. Yeah, and Peterson, I, think,
0: like I understand the goal on carries and stuff, but yeah. it's like you got a guy that can bust a play like he did last week of 55 yards like it's nothing.
1: And I think, I don't know if it'll be this week. Hopefully it will be because since I picked him. <laughs> but I think eventually they're going to realize that outside of Galladay, Hawkinson's the second most talented guy in there. Because I mean, Marvin's been Zane's so
0: disappointing this he's year; he's
1: not been good. Like the re- really outside of Galladay, the receivers have been unimpressive. They need to be using Hawkinson outside of the red zone. It's great. They that need to be using there. him like Hunter Henry. Like he should be getting Absolutely. seven, eight, you know, basically targets every game. So if that happens this week against the Falcons. He could have a huge week. If it doesn't, I still think he's a really good shot to get a touchdown, get you 10 or 12 points. So I think he's a tight end who's one of the best guys outside of, you know, paying top tier Kittle, Kelsey. I think he's maybe the safest play. I think because of that lack of targets, you might be better off going 4,500 and going with Hunter Henry. But I think Hawkinson's a really safe play who has the potential for a bigger one.
0: So the, my, my low tier guy is a prime example of what you're saying Dalton Schultz against the Falcons yeah. had nine catches for 88 yards and a touchdown Hawkinson, and this is no disrespect to Schultz Hawkinson is a much more talented uh, tight end than Schultz is and a more focal point of the offense but I do like Schultz at 3,900 as well he is sort of my Trey Burton play this week where he's cheap I'm obviously not saying he's going to score 21.9 points but I think he has the ability to potentially have a real boom. You know, I think on ESPN fantasy they have that boom or bust percentage. I think his yeah. boom percentage is actually pretty high because Washington is the 31 uh 31st ranked defense against tight ends. He's averaging six targets a game and 10 points a game, which is uh kind of surprising. I didn't realize he'd been that much of a focal yeah. point. Washington has given up 100 yards or a touchdown in three of their first six games uh, to a tight end. They've given up multiple touchdowns to Mark Andrews. Philly's tight ends actually had three touchdowns. Dallas Gallarday, Day, or I can't even say his last name. He had 100 yards and two <laughs> touchdowns. Ertz also had a touchdown. And for this price, Schultz has proven against bad defenses. Uh, he can deliver against the Falcons and Browns, two teams that rank, Slightly better against tight ends than the Redskins. He had 13 catches for 160 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, And Dalton did not look great. And we know when a quarterback struggles, what's their security blanket? Running backs, tight ends... Uh, I could see them trying to pound the rock more, maybe be a little bit more conservative this week because they need a win. I mean, this is, you know, at two and four, all they got to do is beat the teams in their division and they're (laughs) going to make the playoffs because that division sucks. Uh, So it's a big game. I could see Schultz, again, getting his six, seven targets, potentially having, you know, five uh, catches, 50 yards in a touchdown game.
1: Yeah, I like that pick. I almost went with him. Uh, instead, I went with Austin Hooper, who's hundred dollars more at four thousand. Now, probably if you you're probably thinking if you're hearing Austin Hooper, you're like he sucked this year. <laughs> and if you look at the DraftKings numbers, he started out week one; he was fifty one hundred, and now he's down to four thousand. So that tells you he's been disappointing. He's a very he,
0: talented guy. As the Falcons, uh, he was good
1: last. I, I've year, been yeah.
0: really surprised. Uh, he was good the last two years, honestly.
1: Like, he's a talented dude. But I think the key is when you look at him, the first three weeks, he totaled 13.2 points. (laughs) So he did absolutely nothing the first three weeks. Last three weeks, he's had at least 10 points every week. He's had at least five catches every week. He's had an average of eight targets a week. He's only scored one touchdown. Last two weeks, he got to double-digit points without scoring a touchdown. So he's has he nine or ten out.
0: touchdowns last year. So, I mean, he is a guy that can find the mm-hmm. end
1: zone. So, he's been trending up in this offense. The Bengals do not seem like the team that ends that trend. They are 26 the tight ends. Yeah, outside of Joe Burrow and a couple of those receivers, that is an accurate name for them. But, yeah, I think – He's got a good opportunity to again. If he gives you ten points at four thousand, you're not complaining. Absolutely, and he's done it three straight weeks. So I think he's a really safe play. I I think I think him and Schultz are both great low tier plays. You say he does
0: not have a touchdown?
1: He was scored one touchdown, I believe, week four. Last two weeks, he's gotten a double digit points without scoring a touchdown. He's been getting fifty plus yards, five catches. So I think both those guys are guys. I think are going to probably give you 10. And if you're lucky, they can give you 20. And either way at 3,900 or 4,000, I think both those guys are great plays.
0: And I will admit that I actually, I didn't realize he's turned it around that much. I might have to relook at him because he's a lot more talented than Schultz. And uh, I mean, let's be honest, like Cleveland has less weapons than Dallas does that Schultz has to fight for. Uh, targets, especially with Chubb being out, which I think that's also played a role in him being a little bit more of a focal point. Yeah. He's another guy that it might be a little unlucky uh, that he only has one touchdown because I'm telling you, Hooper the last two years in Atlanta, I believe he had 16 touchdowns. I think he had either six or seven two years ago, and it was either nine or 10 last year. He can find the end zone. Uh, you just need Baker to you know play well. Um, moving on right. to the flex. There's a lot of guys here that I really like. Uh, but my expensive tier guy is Stefan Diggs, seven grand, uh, against the Jets. Diggs is a target monster. He has 59 targets in his first six games. He's facing a Jets team that they're they're awful. I mean, I, we say that about a lot of teams. I, <laughs> I need to come up with a different word. Oh, they're truly, her- they're truly horrendous. Awful. How about that? Uh What's funny, though, is they're 16th against the pass and near the bottom against the run. So I know people are going to say, well, wait a minute, you know maybe Diggs isn't a great player." here. Keith, you always talk about I like to you know, look for the, the bad matchups. Well, there's two things here. A, the Bills have really struggled getting their run game going. Like they have not ran the ball they wanted to. Moss has been a non-factor. Singletary is disappointed as well. Um, Diggs has had at least 16 points in five out of the six games. 20 or more in three of his last five. And then this is the thing where sometimes you have to look past the rankings. Yes, the Jets are 16th, Mm -hmm. but they have played some of the worst quarterbacks in the league, and they're still 16th against the (laughs) pass for receivers. So here is, first of all, the only similar matchup they had was the Cardinals. Hopkins had six catches on seven targets for 131 yards and a touchdown. Diggs is a very similar player in this offense to what Hopkins is in the Cardinals. Clear number one receiver, gets a ton of targets, has a talented quarterback with them. And then let's look at those other teams because again, that 16th rank doesn't look that appealing, but the Jets have faced Jimmy G, Phillip Rivers, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and ThinkPen when he was starting for the Broncos. And plus, the Bills are going to be coming in angry after their loss to the Chiefs. I actually love Diggs this week. Remember, he had 32 points two weeks ago. I would not be surprised if he's more in that 25 to 30, 35-point range. Uh, He could have a huge game. uh, And I'm very interested if you'll send me that to see what his matchup ranking is uh, against the Jets uh, this week as well. But I still love Diggs at seven grand.
1: To to your point about that Jets defense, so you know football outsiders their DVOA adjusts for, you know where you're passing, where you're running, and ju- adjusts for all the things that in gameplay can affect a situation. The Jets are 31st according to them in pass defense. Wow. So so, so see, it even is what
0: I was saying right. That's so even, they just face some bad
1: teams yeah. basically. So even though even though the numbers. If you're looking at the basic ones, they're going to say they're okay against the pass. They're actually awful against it. <laughs> so I, I like that Diggs play. I almost went with him a couple, couple different spots. But I, again, there's a lot of good matchups this week. a lot of good guys. So I went with, for my uh, flex, Kenny Galladay at 6,700. I got all my Falcons. As, as we say every week, take the guys facing the Falcons. He, Galladay this year... Three games he's played, 16 to 18 points every week. It's been a solid play every week. But I think he, especially because he's playing the Falcons, he's primed for a bigger week. Last week, he had four deep passes. I believe that's passes of 20 yards or more. He had 185 air yards. So Stafford has started to air it out now that Galladay's back. The Falcons give up a league worst 10.2 yards per target, which is they're giving up a first down per target. It's bad. And I guess PFF's matchup advantage, they have him as the most advantageous matchup in the league this week against Kendall Sheffield. So I think he's a great play this week. Again, yeah, I, the shootout is what I expect in that game. So he's the number one guy. Again, like we said, the other receivers have not been impressive. They aren't using Hawkinson as much as I think they should. So I think Galladay benefits from everything in this game. I, I completely agree. Um, my next guy is
0: Ronald Jones at flex 6,200. Like don't look now. Ronald Jones is arguably the hottest running back in the league. Over the last three games, he's scored 69 fantasy points. He's ran for 330 yards. He's topped a hundred yards in each game and he has two touchdowns. Oh, by the way, he's had 16 targets as a receiver and 11 receptions over that fa- a span. He's facing the second-worst defense against fantasy running backs. I think he's really undervalued. I know some people are nervous that four nets coming back. I just don't buy that you're going to mess up something that is working this well. Tampa has, I mean, they should have won the Chicago game, let's be honest. But they blew that game. Outside of that, they have looked like the best team in football the last three weeks because the Bears have proven they're a frisky good team. Like, they're not a bad team. Uh, And I believe that game was in Chicago. Um, I love Ronald Jones here at 6,200. I think Brady, you know, on the road. Uh, Las Vegas actually can get some pass rush as well. I just see them pounding the rock with Jones. I think he's had at least 22 carries in the last three games. And then, you know, I talked about obviously the targets and the receptions. I just think he's really undervalued at 6,200, especially when you look at the other running backs. And obviously in DraftKings, it's big when they get receptions, which he's had 11 in the last three games.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I don't really see why Fournette becomes anything but a guy that you use to spell Ronald Jones. Because, <laughs> right. Well, when has when Fournette looked this good in three straight weeks? I don't think, not since he played at LSU. So, no. they, they should continue to feed Ronald Jones. I like that pick. I'm going all the way down to 5,300 for my next guy, and that is T. Higgins. I love it. I
0: must <laughs> used him.
1: I love it. Sixteen and a half points per game over the last four weeks. He has been the most productive Bengals receiver in that time. He's led their all their skill players in snaps last week. He might very well be the number one receiver on this team. And if he's not, he's, you know, one A, one B with Well, AJ Green showed a little life last week, but I think it's between Higgins and Boyd. The Browns have given Another up guy that's
0: play. been unlucky to not score a touchdown. Uh-huh. That's what Absolutely. I was looking at with the targets, Absolutely. receptions.
1: And then the Browns have given up the 27th most passing yards they're they're ranked 27th. Only four teams have given up more than the 13 passing touchdowns they've given up. So I think this is a great shot for Higgins to have a good game at 5,300. He's a super value. And I I think there's a good chance this is going to be on the low end, maybe the lowest number you can get him for the rest of the year because he's been trending up for a month. And I don't see why. why that would change. Uh, he was Clemson. That's a talented place. <laughs> uh, he's Thanks. he's a yeah he's a big he's he's really kind of like the, the he was like their next Mike Williams in a lot of ways. The uh,
0: so I'm gonna have to ask your advice here because I, I literally could not make this decision. <laughs> there is two guys that I am targeting uh, in my low tier. One is Travis Fulgham at 5400. Uh, he's legit. I mean, when you oh, when you have legit. three straight games like yeah. that, especially against a Baltimore team that has a really good secondary, it's really impressive. I mean, he scored a touchdown in three straight games. He's made big plays in all of them. He looks like Philly's best offensive player, especially with Miles Sanders uh, potentially going to be out for some time. Yeah. Uh, but Williams, Mike Williams, is seven hundred dollars cheaper. Uh, obviously, there's the concern about Keenan Allen coming back, but Williams has been injured, banged up. Really, the New Orleans game was the first game that they said he was a healthy 100% go. He had five receptions, 109 yards, and two touchdowns. He is, a, in my opinion, a perfect wide receiver for a guy like Justin Herbert who can throw it down the field. All you need to look at was the bomb touchdown they threw. I think it was either late in the third quarter or early in the fourth quarter to sort of put that, uh, you know, game away. And I just, I think the Jaguars' defense is so bad (laughs) that I could see Williams, (laughs) Henry, and even Allen, if he plays, all three going, you know, bananas. And then to your point with your running back, if you're flinging it all over the place, there's an even better chance that you're going to get a goal line carry or, you know, especially with his pass catching ability, a five, 10 yard, you know, touchdown pass in the red zone. I just see the chargers putting up serious points because if you watch the Lions game last week, they really missed some opportunities. The Lions should have scored so many more points uh, than they did last week. They just kind of kept messing up and stalling drives or turning the ball over Which of those
1: guys would you play, Travis Fulgham or or Mike Williams? The hard part about this question is it entirely depends on what the Giants' defensive strategy is for me. Because if they're just having Bradbury shadow the whole game, then I think Mike Williams would be my obvious play. But, I mean, last week they didn't with McLaurin. Bradbury played on him about half the time. So McLaurin ultimately, I think he scored like 15 points. He had seven receptions. Yeah, for like 75 yards or something. So, if if they're moving him around and Bradbury's not following him, that I mean Fulgham should be able to roast at like every other corner on the Giants. So, but like you said though, that Jags D is so bad. Um. I, I would lean Mike Williams just because he's seven hundred bucks cheaper too. He's cheaper and I just really think points are gonna be at a premium in that Giants Eagles games. I'm I'm not expecting a lot to happen in that game.
0: Because the Giants defense honestly outside of the secondary, and I know you have one good corner, is pretty good.
1: It's they've really I we've overly invested in our like defensive tackles. <laughs> but they The upside is they've all been pretty good. So we've been solid against the run. The pass rush hasn't been awful, which has been really surprising for me. And again, there's no one else to, I guess Ertz, wait, no, Ertz is out. Goder might be back, I think. Oh, winners. I mean, look at that. If he's back, that might be. Last I heard, he was, probably, he was probably not going to play. Okay. Uh, he's a target
0: they're... monster uh, the last two seasons when he plays yeah. and uh, Wentz is healthy.
1: Well, with Sanders and Ertz out, I mean, yeah, that could lead to even more targets for Fulgham, but I just. I could also really have a really
0: hard time moving the football.
1: I like if there's. If either team scores three touchdowns tomorrow and one of them is not a defensive (laughs) touchdown, I will be shocked. So I would go with Williams just because, again, we think that the Chargers are going to light up the Jags. So if Mike Williams could be the big beneficiary and at 4,700, that's not a huge risk. So I would lean towards him. Well, then I'm going to
0: make Williams my official pick. I like it. That was who I originally was
1: going to go with.
0: But I was just like, do you really turn down a guy that scored four touchdowns in the last three weeks and looks a like a breakout point. player in the NFL? And he's still not that expensive at 5,400.
1: No, he's not. I, I, I really think, yeah, if you're in season long, I'm not too worried about when the other receivers come back. That he's oh, not either. Move.
0: It's like Claypool. At this point, yeah. they've proven enough where they're going to be a focal mm-hmm.
1: point in the offense. Absolutely. So my last guy and this guy, he's kind of just, he's a little bit of a shot in the dark. I think the opportunities there, but you know, again, there's been a lot of cheap receivers we've gone over. So I would be looking, you know, at Deontay and Kirk and Mike Williams probably before, but Valdez Scantling at 4,100. He only has 82 yards the last three weeks. So we're taking a risk here, but On the season, he has 706 air yards. He's been the deep threat guy. That's fifth in the league in air yards. So he's the deep threat. Vernon Hargraves is probably the guy who's going to be covering him. He is the 105th ranked corner on PFF. And again, I I won't go over it all, all again, but if you remember anything I said about the Houston defense when I was talking about Aaron Rodgers, the opportunity is going to be there for a big game. And again, if he's the deep threat, you only need to hit one. If he gets one 50-yard bomb, that's 12 points for a guy you paid 4100 for. So if you're feeling real frisky, I like Valdez Scantling at 4100
0: I actually do, too. I mean, I just think that Green Bay is going to be very upset, uh, this week they were embarrassed last week i mean they it was were. it was shocking and it started the narrative again that they're again the you know good bad team like last year we talked about it, they were what 13 and 3 14 and 2 something ridiculous and nobody thought they were going to beat san francisco uh, in that playoff game i didn't know anybody that thought they were going to beat them and they got housed uh, so they proved everybody right so real quickly let's move on to the defense um I mean, there's, it's not really the slate that you want it to be. And I hate to spend 4700 but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, <laughs> I think you're crazy if you don't take the Bills versus the Jets. I mean, the Bills, granted, have not been the defense that they have in years past. They gave up 26 to Kansas City, 42 to Tennessee, 23 to Las Vegas, 32 to the Rams. 28 to the uh, the Jets, but I mean to the Dolphins, but in week one, they gave up 17 points to the Jets, scored eight points, had an interception, a defensive fumble recovery, three sacks. And if you watch that Jets-Dolphins game last week, I mean, yikes, uh, <laughs> they basically have Jamison Crowder and that's it. And you could tell the Dolphins were the first team that figured that out and were like, I'm not letting you have that. Like, you can't have that. We're we're taking that away. Uh, I think that that is probably the smart play because, again, like, the Chargers are a team that you might want to consider. But, as you said, if Minshew's just throwing, they're going to score some points. Like, I truly believe that. So, you're going to need some turnovers. Uh, I looked at you know, the 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 Saints maybe against the Panthers. But I just don't think they're going to look that bad two weeks in a row offensively. Um, I, I like what you mentioned about the Browns versus the Bengals. But, again, the Bengals had a lot of success when they met earlier in the year. They're at home this time. What's interesting is I actually thought maybe – about taking the Washington football team versus the Cowboys. Oh, interesting. The offensive line looks awful
1: for Dallas, right? Yeah. Dalton
0: is not. Is Martin Dak out?
1: Because he he went out in the last game, so I don't know if he's.
0: I don't know if they've announced it yet, but I mean, Dalton is not. He can't move, and it's it's proven one <laughs> thing that not. Dak was buying time with his feet, right? Because we saw they just – I mean, they look so bad against Arizona. Washington's strength is pass rushing. Uh, I mean, you got to remember, this is a team that in week one against Philly, another team with a bad offensive line, they had eight sacks. Uh, that would probably be the other team other than Buffalo that I have any confidence in. Uh, and then outside of that, it's just your typical week
1: of just throw something against the wall. Um, I don't totally agree with that because I do have a few teams I like. But Well, good. Maybe you can talk me into
0: somebody. I've looked at it for like 30 minutes. And I'm like, man, outside of the bills,
1: I don't know what the hell to do. But, I mean, if you have the money left over, and maybe you will this week because we like so many. Like you could go cheap at tight end, cheap at receiver. I would, I would spend some money on at least one elite running back. But you could save up and go with the Bills, and I mean the the team that's playing the Jets—that's just free points. That's free money. There's this. ah, When's the last time you you can remember an offense that was this bad? I guess it was the Jets last year when Darnold was out. I don't know if they were this bad, though. You know, it was just
0: a the four o'clock game. But, like, I watched oh, most oh. of that game because I, I hate the Bucks and the Packers. So, I'm like, I'm not <laughs> watching this. I don't yeah, care. That makes sense. <laughs> and, like, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, like, it was so – they made the Dolphins look like world beaters. And that's why people are flipping out about Tua being named the starter. And I'm like, no offense. We've seen what happens with Fitzpatrick. If they are seeing Tua every week look like the better quarterback and you are now officially in the playoff hunt, why wouldn't you go to Tua? Especially it's coming off a bye, correct?
1: Yeah, they will be coming off a bye so that I mean, they don't play me, till next week.
0: It makes all the sense in the world. And just again, to, to make your point, the Jets have scored 17 points, 13 points, seven points, I don't know how they scored 28 points against the Frisky Broncos defense, 10 points against the Cardinals, and zero against the Dolphins, and they have appeared to get worse each week uh, with the way moving the ball with the exception of that Broncos game. I mean, it's it's pretty bad. So what would be, though, if you're not going to go with the Bills, because we're obviously agreeing with that, who would be your others? Because I am interested to hear who you like.
1: All right, so I like the Rams at 3,600 as like higher tier, but not too expensive. I, You know, I think I say this every week. I just don't believe in this Bears offense. And they kind of do enough every week where like whoever they're playing isn't a high scorer. Like they're obviously not forcing anyone into negative points, but, but I, I think they're primed for just an awful game. They've really had a few games this year, especially those first couple of weeks where They looked like they couldn't do anything for like three quarters, and then they'd have a magic fourth quarter. And at some point, that's going to run out. And I think there's a good chance this week, because the Rams are fourth in yardage. They're fifth in points allowed. They're fifth in sacks. And I think you get Aaron Donald coming at Nick Foles, I don't think any – no Bears fan is feeling You don't think there's going to be
0: some Foles magic?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You can never rule out Foles magic. But again (laughs) – They're top five in points, yardage, and sacks. The Bears are bottom five in yardage and points. This is a bad offense. So as long as there is some risk, I guess Goff could turn it over, give them a short field. But if the Rams avoid turnovers, I don't think the Bears are going to be able to move the ball on this team.
0: I do like that option, though. That's one that I I didn't really think about because – you know the Bears have their defense has basically won the games. They, the only the only game that they scored any points was again against my crappy ass Falcons team. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but my, my favorite play is if you're doing a you know a Thursday through Monday play. Obviously, if you're just doing Sunday, I like the Rams or the Bills. But if you're doing the third the whole week play, take your pick on whoever you think is going to win the Giants Eagles game because these are two. Bad offenses. But don't but, you think the
0: Giants' defense is better? I know you're a fan, but I mean, like, I trust your instincts. Like, I, I, I mean, don't you think the Giants' defense is just better?
1: I'm not sure. I think, because I think the Lions, or the, not the Lions, the Eagles have a better pass rush. So I think that's key. And, well, they're also, even with all the injuries, the Giants' offense has been worse. The only d- offense the Giants have been better than That's this year is, is the Jets. We're 31st in points. We're 31st That's, in yardage. And you're talking about, like, kissing your cousin. <laughs> I mean, you're mean. better than the Jets. It's like, ouch. And I mean, if Sterling Shepard's back, that helps a little bit. But if not, it's just Slayton and Ingram out there. Freeman's looked okay, but our offensive line is so bad that it hasn't really mattered that much. Um. Yeah, the Eagles, they have 21 sacks this year. That's fourth. But isn't league. Philly's offensive line, like, horrible? Well, the, alt- the alternative is the Giants' the defensive line has been better than I thought rushing the passer this year, and no one has been sacked more than Carson Wentz. He's been That's sacked what I 20- was
0: thinking, yeah.
1: 25 times this year. Oh, my God. Okay, so, so yeah,
0: they have a really bad offensive line. So
1: there's a good chance both quarterbacks going to be under a lot of pressure. Both of these guys have been turning the ball over. I Jones hasn't had a game this year. He hasn't turned you it see over. see Jones
0: running for a lot of yards in in that situation?
1: But that's a possibility. I mean, he's he is our leading rusher. I actually I read that uh you know how like ESPN now they like track the set like the fastest speeds that guys reach. The right. seven fastest QB runs this year, four of them are Lamar Jackson. The other three are Daniel Jones. Look at Danny Dimes. (laughs) So he could get some rushing yards, but again, I think both QBs, I'd be really surprised if they don't both turn it over. I'll be surprised if either team moves the ball with any consistency. So to me, I mean, Giants are $400 cheaper, so I might lean towards my Giants, but whatever your gut says this team wins that game, that's the team I would. That's the defense I would take this week if you're playing Thursday. If you're playing the Thursday game on DraftKings,
0: I like it. And again, I just want to reiterate: do single entries. Um, I've had a lot of success the last three weeks. and it's helped that our picks have been really good. But by doing single entries. And I mean, that's all I do. I don't even get baited into the the giant ones because you're going to have so many people doing, if it's 20 max, 50 max, I think for some of the biggest ones, you can do like up to 180 of them. You're going to have people that that's what they do. And it's like, good luck picking your one lineup (laughs) against people that are basically, you know, math geniuses. And they're doing 180 lineups of all these different combos. And they're basically using an equation with guys that they like. Uh, and I mean, again, the single entry, I had two caches last week where I had one lineup where I had a guy, Madison, score four points, and another lineup where I had Madison and a uh, Janus Smith who scored three points.
1: Oh, man. Janu. And, be- oh. <laughs> and because I had
0: Jefferson and all those guys, that was a lineup I had Jefferson, Julio, and
1: Henry. Henry. Yeah. And
0: then Fulgham. And I mean, <laughs> it, you know, it got it done. And thanks to you, Fitzpatrick. Uh, I still ended up cashing because a single entry, you just have a lot more room for error. Yeah. To where if you're doing one of those big boys, you have basically one guy in your lineup, get that ice, you know, symbol next to it, it's over. Uh, is there anything else that we missed, Joe?
1: No, I mean, I, I think to me, in the general play this week, is go I, if you could fit Aaron Jones and kumara in the same lineup and just go cheap in other spots i think that's a great play
0: i'll tell you right now how
1: you do it if you played
0: williams higgins and you could go fulgham you could go valdo scantley and then you go at you know you go with those two running backs you take the tight end of either schultz or hooper Right. Uh, and then you put in your flex, maybe a, a Hawkinson or uh, you know a Hunter Henry. Uh, you can do
1: it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we we gave out a lot of lower priced tight ends and wide receivers this week, so I, that's what I'm generally thinking. Or excuse me, Deontay at- Johnson, who we talked yeah. about. You know, and I mean, Christian Kirk. Christian like Kirk. There's just so many guys this week. And again, you look at the running backs. We really like Jones at 6,200. So you hit that. 6,000-plus running backs where we really like those guys, and we think at minimum those guys are going to be like 15, but they have the chance for that 30-plus game. And then I think, you know, any of these wide receivers could go off. And, you know, if you get half of what Claypool gave two weeks ago, you're winning money. Like, if you hit on that receiver who goes off that week. should you get a Justin Jefferson
0: game. Good Lord. Yeah, that was unbelievable, absolutely. man. Especially because it was all garbage. And that's, again, why I say – if you have receivers, quarterbacks, your hope is they are down huge early because yep. you know they're just going to sling it and sling it and sling it, and that's you know how you end up getting points. Well, uh, Joe, I appreciate it. I hope that this is three weeks in a row because if it is, I'm going to get louder and louder in the group, banging uh, the drum for both of us. I know you don't like to talk smack quite as much <laughs> as I do. Uh, because I mean, I, I told Alan, you know, that he's a moron at this point. He is Mr. Gambler. (laughs) And I am basically like with this podcast, we are giving him the keys to how to make money because he stopped doing this because he just hasn't been able to figure it out. And I'm like, dude, we're giving you a lot of winning picks to where if you do five, six lineups. You mix it up. My big recommendation is you have one or two guys that you just really love. Yeah. You make sure they're in those lineups and then mix up the other guys. And hopefully you get a big combo. Uh, you know, I told you I was so disappointed that I had four guys crap the bed. I still ended up winning $25 in that sheet, but you know, I had 147 points with Dalton, Mozart, Kelsey, and Hill left. And I mean, they literally, outside of Kelsey, couldn't have done any worse. I, I think know. Hill had, like, 30 yards. Dalton, I don't think he scored six points. And Mozart had, like, seven or eight. And, you know, I was just sitting there kicking myself going, you know, <laughs> I could have had digs in there for Hill, who had a good game. Uh, you know, could have definitely changed some things around with the quarterback. And But that's, you know, that's daily fantasy. That's why I yeah. love it. Yeah. And and don't tinker is the other thing. I I, I am so bad – Oh, the three worst lineups I had last week, I changed some stuff right before we went. I took out Justin Jefferson and two of the three lineups that ended up not cashing. Uh, took Derek Henry out and another one. And it's like, if I'm that confident about it that we're, you know, screaming about it, it's like, dude, like stick to your guns. Because uh, I did with Julio and all cool. of them. And, it you know, it paid off. I did with Fulgham. It paid off, but it just—it was so disappointing because I could have literally had one of those lineups where I had Julio Fogle Jefferson and Kelsey, and I ended up, you know, taking out Jefferson, and it killed nice. me. Like it just—I wanted to, you know, just bang my head against the wall. But uh, this has been another episode of the weekly daily fantasy football podcast with Keith Fleming and Joe Matz. We will be back next Wednesday. Uh, with another new episode Joe I appreciate it buddy yeah always a good one thanks man